Hello, and welcome again to another episode of the Black Techies Podcast, sponsored by HBC Digital Network. I am your host, Herbert Seward, and I am joined once again by our host emeritus, David Matthews, a.k.a. Pakistaner, and our militant brother from another mother, Dominique Bass, a.k.a. Blackity Black Man. Welcome, you guys. Welcome. Hello. Hey, what's up? As you guys may have noticed at the very beginning of the show, um, prior to us coming on, um, we may potentially have another uh, uh, some new benefactors here, namely uh, our you know our friends from AT and T that are like really HBCU friendly. Big shout out for them. Occasionally, you'll be seeing uh, some ads you know for their um, for their new promotion on our show. And again, a big shout out to our, you know, our overlords at HBC Digital Network for helping us to that. Um, this is um, going to be a, a very apolitical show, given what's been going on. Um, we're going to stay away from that today. <laughs> and we're going to continue um, talking about something that we've been talking, that we were talking about the previous show which is, um, you know, comics blurting out. And there was a show uh, that came on HBO Max. Um, I think it premiered like this past week um, about Milestone Comics. And for those of you out there that are familiar with Milestone Comics, that's the same comic company that initially did folks like Hardware, Static Shock, Icon, um, Blood Syndicate, uh, you know, simply... Um, it was a black comic book company for black folk that showcased black folk and um, HBC, HB, HBC, HBO Max uh, decided to do a tribute show as it relates to that. Um, and, you know, it, we got to thinking, we decided we were going to talk about it this week. We're going to spend a good deal of time talking about what milestone meant uh, to the industry and, what we're going to, what we hope to see with their reboot and milestone initiative um, coming up via DC. Um, but I wanted to get the opinions of two comic book heads here because we do have two comic book heads here on the show. <laughs> so, I mean, when you think of milestone comics, what do you guys think of? I mean, obviously, you know, Static Shock is like the most famous of the people that we're we've been talking about. But I know me personally, growing up, um, you know, obviously it was at first it was just Marvel and DC Comics. Period. You know, if it wasn't the Avengers or the X Men or or any number of other other you know characters like the Green Lantern, you know, for me that was my favorite DC character. Um, I didn't see too much in terms of um, representation until Milestone came around. And it was really dope to see, you know, um, like I said, Static Shock is probably the most famous because, you know, they, yeah, Static ended up getting his own TV show and you can still see Scat Static Shock, you know, in the DC, you know, in the main DC continuum in terms of um, shows and comics. But, you know, I wanted to see, I wanted to get you guys' opinion on, on you know, what Milestone did when they, you know, when Duffy and those guys um, created those characters. Well, <clears throat> I, I wasn't around. 
for for most of it. At least I wasn't aware of it. I should say I don't actually know when before I haven't watched the uh, HBO Max um, series yet. But uh, I, you know, my first ex- ex- exposure to a Milestone Comics character was, of course, Static Shock, and it was that show that was on TV. And I just thought it was DC. So I'm actually learning, like, because I heard about this show and because I'm, you know, starting to research. I didn't even know that we had a black uh, uh, comic book company that had all these black characters, but there were some really cool characters that I actually am excited about the op- the, the possibility of a reboot because, although DC owns it, here's the thing. As long as DC, as long as it's going to be animated stuff, I'm I'm super. DC does such a good job with animated characters, and uh, they seem to kind. The industry has lately has seemed like they're not letting white people tell black stories as much anymore. Not they're not like mandating that it be a white person telling the black story. Meaning, not that they can't tell it, but. If there's a black director, let's get that black director in here. And hopefully there's going to be black animators that get hired because of this reboot. Hopefully there's going to be, uh, and, and I, we're not going to go political because uh, our leader said we're not doing political. So we're just going to say hopefully black people get to tell black stories because that's uh, that's uh, that's that's kind of what we just want more representation. I know as a kid, seeing Static Shock was was meaningful to me because other than Black Panther, and then, like, if you, I was a comic book dude, and so actually reading the 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 Civil War series, like, and seeing, I didn't even know about this black the the dude that gets real tall, Goliath. He's the one that actually gets killed in the comic books. Uh, but like, that's it, it's it was just it, it's really impactful. Anytime you can see black people, anytime you can see representation of yourself, I think it helps. Uh, it just helps you identify with the story more. So. Yeah, it's so I, I I will admit that you two are probably the, the the comic book heads. I'm more of a TV show cartoon head. <laughs> so like a lot of what I know about uh, like some of those characters, like Icon, Static Shock, I just I know from watching like Justice League. Like for example, Icon was on uh, Justice League Unlimited, and so uh, of course of course I watched Static Shock. Um, but you know one thing that I, I I'm glad that I think. Uh, uh, Dom already said, like we have these shows out now that are being directed by black directors, that are being uh, voice acted by black actors, and I think this is something that that could really, um, honestly, we're kind of building on like from the for the past few years actually this kind of resurgence of uh, when it, you know HBCUs and uh, black culture in general is kind of uh, getting a quote unquote glow up these days. So <laughs> but um I think that now if you want to go into more of the history uh of um I I, like I just forgot the name of it. Wasn't it what's the name of the uh the shop? The uh Milestone bro. Yes, Milestone. Oh my god. <laughs> like, well, I'm blanking on the name. But uh <laughs> you can go you could go into it you maybe kind of provide a little bit more context behind everything but as, at least as far as marvel and dc uh i think we i think we really see a good you know resurgence of all of this and i think that it's only i think it's only it's only a good thing and also one more thing we can it allows us to kind of tell those stories or get those perspectives out there that you might not see otherwise there's a, an excellent episode of uh teen titans where uh starfire is being bullied by this a, this big alien guy because she is a Tamaranian, and, and so she goes she goes up to a uh, to a uh, 
cyborg. And she's like, have you ever been treated differently because of the way you look? <laughs> he was like, yeah, because I'm a robot. But like deep down, we all know what he really wanted to say, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, but but like, right, those kind of stories you can tell because you can, people can see, or from a superhero perspective, right? From that, you know, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, like 12 years of slave or anything, but like, <laughs> but you can still tell those kind of stories. I'm gonna go ahead and put up the banner. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, I'm a co-founder, so kind of. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> no, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm just saying. I, yeah. So I didn't know until doing some research that we were going to be talking about milestone rocket. So if y'all watch the uh, oh, yeah. the the justice the ju- young justice rocket yeah. was a milestone character. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the show, because Young Justice got like it's so underrated to me. Like I don't know that people are talking about it. That's some of the best. Oh, yeah, Young, Young Justice is ridiculous, man. It like, is, the storytelling um... is crazy. We're talking about gender identity, sexual identity, uh, uh, political identity, uh, yeah. r- racial identity. Or like, what does it mean to be uh, a, a patriot? Just all kinds of random like th- like what uh, drug addiction, depression, mental health, all these stories they're touching on but one of the stories they touched on was you know it was just some young black love man rocket and uh i can't remember old buddy's name uh who was it well if you're talking about rocket and icon it was that's icon icon and rocket were like superhero sidekick and i think you touched on a really good point there and i think that's what you know when when i saw the show i was really um you know i was really really you know, surprised in terms of just how far back Milestone as a company were, you know, were using those characters to tell those stories. And I mean, like you said, Icon and Rocket were, um, you know, were foundational characters for the company uh, when they came out. Hardware, which is, you know, I kind of got the moniker the Black Tony Stark from because Hardware was Milestone's version of Iron Man, except that he wasn't a rich playboy. You know, he was kind of like us. You know, he just was really smart and just built a lot of stuff and he was militant. You know what I'm saying? Um, You know, Milestone really was ahead of their time in terms as a comic company, Um, telling these stories, telling our stories, you know, and just like, you know, Dom said, you know, DC has did a did them a really good service in terms of bringing the same type of storytelling with these characters uh, into their universe. You know, touching on those issues. Um, I remember reading the comic. You know, an Icon's origin story. Icon. Anybody that's familiar with Icon, Icon is not just simply a black Superman facsimile. That dude is quite literally one of the strongest characters now in the DC universe, up there with Superman, you know, Martian Manhunter, and and the like. But his origin story is one that's really, really conservative. You know, he crash lands on a planet, um, you know, as a as an alien takes on the shape of the you know life form that's closest to him, which happened to be a black woman during 1850s uh, antebellum South in slavery, and he grew up in slavery. You know what I'm saying? 
They tell that story and they tell how those experiences shaped him as it relates to um, his own identity and, you know, accepting identity of African-Americans. And they tell so many stories in terms of, um, in terms of the dichotomy that black folks have to face. Um, one of those, ep one of those comics that I remember reading, um, they were really talking about the, you know, the period of time between, you know, from the 1890s to the Harlem Renaissance, where you had, um, you had, you know, Marcus Garvey's movement, you had um, W.E.B. Du Bois and the Talented, Talented Tent, and you had the opposite of the spectrum with Booker T. Washington, whose philosophy was completely different and more aligned with icons. And it was really, um, reading those series of comments was really cool. It was really cool to, to see those things and to um, really be able to identify with a character. And up to that point, <clears throat> you didn't see that a lot in comics. You didn't see that sort of, you know, um, ethnic representation, not necessarily just for us, but in general. So for anybody that wasn't a straight white man. Exactly. And there wasn't very many female superheroes. There were no Asian superheroes. And if they were, they were uh, stereotypical caricatures and they were always the bad guy, you know, like the Mandarin. You know, there wasn't a Shang-Chi. There wasn't, you know what I mean? Like uh, the, the industry had to get bigger. People had to, we just had to start having people who look like those people get in with the skill and the talent and the courage to step out and try something, right? You know, so I, yeah, I, I, I'm, so I cannot wait. Yeah. And, you know, I want people to really take a look at what they're going to do. Um, you know, the Milestone Initiative is something that they were talking about. And this is really cool stuff, particularly for those of you that are watching the podcast out there that are content creators, that are artists, that do storyboards. Hit these guys up now because they are looking for artists for new comics, for new comic, you know, book storyboard, you know, writers and artists and, and creators. And they're trying to really bring a new generation of young people into that initiative to rebuild Milestone Comics in another image. You know, although it's under the DC banner, it's something that's really, really cool that DC is doing to pay tribute to the, you know, to the original company. So it's, um, it's really something that, um, you know, when I watch the show and, you know, by the way, I recommend anybody that has HBCU, HBCU again, HBO, HB, Max. HBO Max to so go out and discover Max. Yeah, bruh, we're going to get into that. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, anybody that's out there that has HBC, HBO Max to check this out. It is really, really dope. And, you know, Dwayne McDuffie, the, one of the founders of, of Milestone Comics, is a pretty extraordinary dude. That dude is, um, like I said, he was a trailblazer. He was really ahead of his time. It's something that, uh, you know... It, in terms of our um, telling our stories and our experiences, you know, he was second to none, you know? And I mean, I know Stan Lee, you know, is an ally and road for the culture. You know, we love you, Stan, you know, hail Wakanda. Uh, but, you know, Milestone's got to get his props. And I mean, while we, while we on the topic of comic, you know, of comics that could be, 
brought back to the mainstream. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I think about, you know, Wildstorm comics, you know, I think about, um, you know, Jim, your image. Yeah. Whilst on the image, Jim, Gen 13, Wildcats. You know, I'm waiting to see somebody redo Wildcats. So, I love the Wildcats. They did a TV show. It just wasn't super man. popular. It just wasn't super popular, man. I, I, and I never got it. They did a video yeah. game, a, a TV show. The TV show is very one interesting the, characters. One of the dopest theme song intro theme songs ever, ever. And I'm, you know, I want to play it on the show, but I ain't trying to get a copyright strike. Again. <laughs> you know, I mean, people being finicky about that. But if you're on YouTube, all you gotta do is look up the Wildcats theme show <laughs> intro. That's like one of the hardest theme show intros I've ever seen for for a Saturday morning cartoon. That joint is ridiculous. But yeah, it's. Um, you know, it's definitely something that um, we tend to take for granted now that inclusion is kind of, um, you know, the, it's kind of been mandated now that inclusion is something that, you know, we strive for. But for a long time, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't something that uh, we could take for granted. You know, it's a, it's something that... um you know, for lack of a better term, we just, you know, I can't stress enough how important seeing something like this, like the Milestone Initiative is for this generation of young people coming up that are looking to, to be artists, to be artists, to be or creative. comic book storytellers, all that. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. You know, also appreciate you, Keith. Yeah, we appreciate you uh, watching live. Yeah. Big shout out to Keith. Uh, Keith is also, by the way, a good, you know, a brand new member of the HBCU digital family. He runs the Fangs Up podcast for FAMU Sports and Culture. So welcome, Keith. We're going to chop it up real, real soon, like after the show soon. So thank you for tuning in, bro. And I think, um, you know, like I said, I, I mean, I've noticed some of the new stuff that's been coming out in terms of. Um, you know, in terms of uh, just things that we've been seeing in terms of content, like you mentioned earlier, um, Young Justice, that to me, that's one of the best animated, you know, animated series that's, that's on right now, period. That's ever been on, honestly. Yeah, Young, they they knocked that out the park. You know, I haven't I've seen, seen them, it. but is there a, re a recent season? I haven't, I don't think I've yeah. seen them, a recent season. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's real. Like, yeah. I heard. Like, I mean, they, I heard it was like steps. a little bit more mature. Adult, yeah, like it's a, it's definitely some more mature themes. It's not it's not graphic, and it's not it doesn't step over the line where like I would feel uncomfortable ha with with my kids watching it or whatever. But uh, it's definitely some themes that like if you're a more conservative household or like a we don't talk about that kind of stuff in the house, there's gonna be some stuff brought up. It mm -hmm. was definitely like um, d depression, suicidal ideations, uh, just all the things that you don't typically see from a cartoon, especially a superhero cartoon, especially like Beast Boy. Like he's so silly and now all of a sudden he's like, he don't want to move. You know, you know, it's just like the thoughts that he was expressing having and the way he's pushing away people he loves. And it's good, I think, if you're a kid and you watch that and then you see stuff like that happen in real life, you see your friend, you can like relate that in a way where nobody else, nobody else is talking about mental health, but you remember when Beast Boy did it. And so you can get your friend some help, you know? Because it was yeah. very real. I've definitely met people who would push you away when 
that you could tell they're hurting. You know what I mean? And they did it so well, man. Honestly, I, we whew, we could talk. We could have we, there. There should be a podcast just breaking down Young Justice mm-hmm. episodes for real. It's deep. Mental note: uh, Do podcasts on Young schedule podcasts on for Young Justice. <laughs> for and, and, and Cannon Busters. And, oh man, they got to talk dude, about Cannon Busters. Eventually. Dude, you lucky Roberto. <laughs> lucky Roberto ain't on the show. Big shout out to. You know, uh, the other, you know, the fourth member of our core, uh, Roberto Joseph, um, wherever you are, bro, um, we look to see you back relatively soon. Um, we know Atlanta is kind of crucial for folks these days. So whether you stuck cool. on- well, I'm not even in Atlanta, <laughs> but I'm from Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Whether you stuck in traffic on 90, tra- in 90 on 85 and Peachtree or, you know, you caught up, uh, we look to see you back soon, bro. but um we're gonna go ahead and take a really quick ad break and then we're gonna come back to our conversation uh about representation um and comics and you know animation and all sorts of other stuff we might have some surprises in store stay tuned we all stand on the shoulders of those who came before us a black future happens all the time It's built on a foundation of those who have paved the way. A generation ago, all of this would have seemed unheard of. And what's new to the world now will be incomparable to what's coming up next. Trust your dream. The future is counting on it. All right, and we are back. Thank you again, AT&T, for the inspirational spot. Um, you know, I'm really, you know, we've been talking about representation, um, and, and characters in DC, in both DC and Marvel universes that have been doing, you know, that have been doing the thing. Um, I'm gonna go against the grain here a little bit and talk about, do a little impromptu review about, um, John Stewart's Greenland and origin story that I just saw. Now you see the look on my face as I say this. Where'd you see it? Um, now it's on. Yeah, I mean you can catch it on YouTube um, for purchase. Uh, you know, and I was excited to see it because I wanted to purchase it, and because um, you know the Green Lanterns is one of my favorite Green Lantern you know storylines and stuff of one of my favorite comics and. John Stewart is a really intriguing part of that. But um, how can I put this? It was the greatest think, thing ever. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I, think, I think DC dropped the ball on, on, on what they could have did with this. And for those folks that are out there, there are some semi-spoilers about what I'm going to say. So... Um, if you want to wait and see it for yourself, um, mute this part of, portion of the podcast. Um, if not, um, I'm going to kind of dive into what I said, what I saw. Okay. Essentially, they changed John Stewart's origin story a little bit. Um, and they set it against the backdrop of, um, of an apparent uh, interstellar war involving the Guardians, involving the Green Lantern Corps, and involving the Thanagarians and some other folks that we had to get, you know, reacquainted with. 
um, you know, in the DC universe. Um, some of the main characters in the show, Adam Strange, who is a very, um, I don't want to say obscure, because- That's a different does, person than Adam Warlock, or is that the same person? No, completely. Adam Warlock is Marvel. Oh, Adam Warlock is Marvel. I'm wilding. I'm wilding. Okay, yeah. Man, bad. where's your where's your banner at, dude? <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, Adam Strange is a very uh, is a more obscure um, character in DC Comics. Um, uh, they kind of did Shaira uh, Shaira Hall, you know, Thanagarian in this show, but. No, the, the Hawkeyes, the Hawkeyes homegirl. Right. Wife. What, were they married? What, yeah, they were. Uh, you know, her and John Stewart had a thing too, you know, according to the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited shows. But they kind of erased all of that canon during this origin story. And parts of it were really, really good in terms of how they depicted John Stewart. You know, they depicted him as a Medal of Honor winner who was going through trauma and all sorts of other stuff. But the way they kind of did the Guardians and how they did the Sinestro Corps and more importantly, how they did Hal Jordan, they did Hal Jordan dirty in this. And I mean, it was really um, for somebody that is the franchise of the Green Lantern comic, the green, you know, the actual comic world of Green Lantern, they did that dirty. They they really did, you know. They really, um, they really lost the opportunity to to kind of tell his story, you know. Particularly when you know now they're you know you're probably going to start seeing things about the Green Lantern come up, and they're going to probably start to you know DC's supposed to be working on something for his origin story, but watching the show is almost watching like a standalone story about the Green Lantern. That wasn't integrated with anything else, can so, um, you know, this was something that um that kind of um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> spoil it, bro. <laughs> Thanks, Keith. <laughs> this is kind of something that um, you know, I, I mean, DC normally knocks it out the park with the animated with the animated movies and shows. They could have did better with this one. You know, and I'll give him a pass because normally when they do the animated stuff, the stuff is on point. You know, all of it. You know, is this a link to any of the uh, the previous ones? Because I know they kind of they have like a little mini universe with their animated films. Yeah, and that's the uh, thing. All of, a lot of their animated films are in their own little universe. Yeah, that's right, the yeah. one thing that I don't necessarily like is that how much of it is not canon, and and uh, and figuring out what is canon and what's not. And uh, you kind of get a different answer every time. Like, it's just a lot. Of, some of this stuff's weird. Uh, but, you know, it's comics, man. It's not real. I'll allow I, the, the older me, the, the older I get, the less I'm needing my stuff to be more true to, like, some version of, of real for me. You know, like, uh, the comic books I read, whenever I watch the movies, I'm like, man, he wouldn't do that. Or, man, like, I'm trying to suspend reality to watch this stuff because it's not real right and like when scarlet witch uh did what she did to the illuminati in the in multiverse Dude, Matter, I don't even, man bruh that that what they did to the illuminati in in multiverse of madness was just that was criminal but it really was 
I just you got the, what they what they really telling you is that Scarlet Witch, she's a baddie. She's here, right? That's all they were really trying to show with that. I mean, yeah, I gotta, they were just trying to know, prove how powerful she, she was. Yeah, right? I get it. So but it, was, but it was almost kind of like a ranking in my head. Right? I got a ranking in my head of the top superheroes, and she not number one, but Captain Marvel was right there. You know, she numbered she like in the top three, but that's our universe is Captain Marvel, and so maybe they Captain Marvel ain't as strong. Who knows? I don't know. I gotta let it go, but I hear what you're saying. Man, anytime you got Black Bolt blowing his own brains out, dude. <laughs> I mean, she just took that man lips. You can't take that man lips. She I can mean, make him think that his lips are gone, but to actually remove the man's lips, come but on. Not, but not just that. You're talking about the smartest man potentially in the universe, Reed Richards, telling her how to beat Black Bolt in the scene. Well, right? How, would he, he, how smart is it? Does he know every possibility? Does he know she could take his lips? Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. And nobody ever before before you know, that or one, after that in yeah. comic books ever took somebody's lips off of them. Well, I, I look at it like this. You know, if they were telling, you know, and we're this is a, a classic type of segue where if you guys are watching us, we, we tend to do this all the time. You know, if you're watching that movie and you're a Marvel head and you know, you know, you're familiar with the Illuminati and you're familiar with, you know, just how influential that cabal of characters is, you know, you can't watch that, you know, objectively and be like, okay, you got Captain Marvel, you've got Reed Richards in his universe, who's one of the smartest men that, that, that in reality, you know, you've got um, Black Bolt, you know, who's, a, who's royalty and one of the smart part, most powerful characters in Marvel. And it's like, bruh, I, I get it, but did you have to do them like that? <laughs> did you? You know, and I and, and like I said, I get it because this is you know the whole premise of the multiverse of madness movie was showcasing you know Wanda's you know conflict and descent. You know, I and I, I get that and how powerful she could be even when she's unhinged. So that's something that. That part of it I got. It's just, you know, the Marvel stickler in me looked at that and was just like, dude, y'all could have did better. <laughs> let me uh let, let me ask you all a question, just somewhat going back to the the representation issue. Uh so all right, one of the common complaints that I've seen is that like the so like they'll have like the black version of like existing superheroes, right? And so there's there's the complaint where well, why not just make a new character with their own powers, with their own? So, what, like, you know, for example, like Sam Wilson is the new Captain America, Miles Morales is Spider Man, you know, stuff like uh, even Green Lantern, right? John Stewart is the, is the Black Green Lantern, right? In, in addition to Kyle Rayner and Hal Stewart, or Hal Jordan, rather, I'm sorry. Um, yep. So, what, what do you, what, what I'm just curious, what, what are y'all's, what are you all's thoughts about that accusation? Or, like, are you fine with, like Miles Morales and Peter Parker as Spider-Man, which I think is fine because they have di different skill sets. But and if you play the game on PlayStation, you know what I'm talking about, which is <laughs> fantastic, by the way. If you have not played Spider-Man and Spider-Man Miles Morales on PlayStation, PS4 or PS5, play it. Man, don't get don't get Roberto started. <laughs> that's, oh yeah, he could he could. That's a whole podcast for him. Yeah, that's many miles. <laughs> that's many miles Morales right there. But I get it. I I look at it like this, man. 
And I, I get, um, I, I think it's divided into two camps because you got a demographic of purists out there. And I use that term loosely, purists, um, that don't like seeing change, period, when it comes to characters, uh, particularly when it comes to their favorites. You know, mainstream characters like Superman, Batman, um, on the Marvel side, uh, you know, you're talking about the X-Men, you're talking about the Avengers, Captain America, Captain America especially. Um, and, you know, I hate to say it, but a lot of that, you know, some of that stems from, um, you know, our our own portrayals, you know, of what is deemed, you know, acceptable and worthy in and, you know, upright in terms of what we perceive to be a superhero and what other demographics perceive. You know what I'm saying? I mean, anytime, and we, and, you know, this isn't just limited to comics. We see this, you know, in a lot of, you know, media across the board. You know, I can remember to stink about, um, stink about, uh, not Harry Potter, but uh, about the, um, uh, I can't even remember the movie. It was. Um, was it a ma- magician? Or yeah. No, 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 no. It's um. You uh, Harry Potter. No, it's not Harry Potter. It's not magician. But oh. it, I mean, I, I mean, it was it was a movie series based on a series of books. Um, Katniss Everdeen. I'm trying to figure oh, out. Hunger oh, Games. the Hunger Games. There you go. Thank you. We talking about Black Rue being black? Yeah. You know, and you saw the, and that's a perfect example. You know, I mean, the flashback on social media, you know, um, when they changed the character from the book was just. But that's the thing. They didn't. They didn't change the character. If you read the book, she literally describes her as having darker skin. Like, that was so, I I mean, I read all of them, including Songbirds and Snakes. I am a, a Hunger Games fan right here. So, right. So, and I've seen all the movies with my daughter. Right. Damn. So, so <laughs> yep. I, I, all, give me all of it. But so that whole accusation is ridiculous because. Well, yeah. I think we, so we have to separate like the, 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 the racists in the room are usually the loudest people. Uh, and we confuse that for like a lack of acceptance. I think oftentimes because you uh, second sister uh, in uh, Obi-Wan is a black woman that got a lot of flack, but like people still watched the hell out of that show uh, yeah. and they're going to, right. You could, they can make an all black star Wars. The nerds are going to be like, Oh, why everybody got to be black play. Pretty right? much. <laughs> and so it's, it's like, it, it's, it's let, like, let them, let them have their, like, they're going to have to, they're going to have to get to a point where they just realize life now is not all white. We gotta let we have to allow them grace in their trans in this transition where they're not the natural default. They still are primarily the default. Listen, I don't know if y'all play Elden Ring. Can't make a black character on Elden Ring. Like you, you can kind of make a ah, you can blackish. You know, if he short bald head, you can do a bald head black dude. They are not doing black hair right in ninety percent of games that exist. You know what I'm saying? So. As far as your question, Dave, representation. I don't like it when you, I, I do think we need our own characters. Uh, we don't need to necessarily have a black Superman per se, right? But what is Superman 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't want you to cast Superman as a black man. I didn't want them to cast. I didn't necessarily hate it, the idea of Idris Elba being a 007, because 007 is not. I don't want him to be James Bond. I don't want to be a black dude named James Bond. But 007 is just the designation for the person doing that job. Right. And so I'm cool with you. Like, I didn't like Michael B. Jordan as, as Johnny Storm, especially when Sue Storm was a white woman. Right. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't like because because make that make sense. Right. Make that make sense for me. You can't you can't make that make sense. Except you was like, they're going to be out there. The the, the, the colors will come out to the theater. The colors and then, will come and then the movie out to the turned out being a dumpster if fire. We, if we get Michael B. Jordan in here somehow, some way, right? And so I don't like, I didn't like Black uh, Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin in that disgustingly terrible Daredevil movie. I did not like Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin. Make a new, make a new bad guy. It's you have to write. It's a movie. Make a new bad guy. Call him Big Blackie. Whatever you call him, yeah. he don't have that, to be. That Kingpin. won't fly. <laughs> <laughs> But but my point is I don't like it. Like I I wasn't amazed. I wasn't super fond of the uh, casting of Zendaya as Mary Jane, except for somebody pointed it out. She's biracial, right? And so we we claim her, but maybe they claim her too, right? And so cool. Uh, I think most people are fine with it. Honestly, I haven't heard any complaints about. Well, because everybody loves Zendaya. Zendaya, I love her. I love her, and I think she played the role well. I was just like, why I got to be MJ? Why can't it be Peter's next door neighbor Keisha? You know what I mean? It don't, also, it wasn't don't uh, lit. Wasn't no wait. Well, that, that was someone else. I'm sorry. The, the first um, homecoming, um, the 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 mixed girl that Peter was into, that ended up. You know, the the vulture was her father. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, 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 Michael. I forgot Keaton's her name. Daughter. Michael Keaton's daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I forgot her name, but yeah. Now, and I was I was thinking she was um, uh, the other. Girl Gwen, that you thought into. she was Gwen? Gwen, yes. Yeah. No, that's it's not Gwen. I know it's not Gwen. Nah. But yeah. but yeah, so I I I don't like it when they do that. Like, don't give me diversity for like diversity's sake. Diversity's sake. Give me diversity because you believe a black story is worth being told, or let me get a Ryan Coogler, uh um um Ava DuVernay in here to tell our story, right? Let's green light more projects because there's no shortage of people wanting to go to the movies. There's no, you know, there's not like a maximum number of movies you can put out in a year, right? And so let's green light more than just Black Panther, right? Let's bring Spike Lee in. Let's bring all these uh, different, uh, maybe Spike Lee's a push actually at his age. Maybe we don't want him directing comic book movies, even though I would love to see his version of that like single cam, you know, that, that little rolling shot that he does in a superhero movie. Ah, oh, but Man, I, I do believe that we definitely uh, need to like um, Children of Blood and Bone, uh, the story by uh, Tommy Adeyemi. Um, I know they greenlit it and there's a film, I think, being produced, but just like stories like that. There's so many out there. Like, let's just get more of our stuff on the screen and then you don't have to make Superman can stay white forever for the white people who don't want to watch uh, anything other than white. Keep white people stuff white and let's just let us tell our stuff, too. I mean, you know, to kind of somewhat answer my own question, I don't, I'm kind of like you, right? I don't, let's make our own characters with their own powers, their own motivations and stuff. Um, and I, I think, I mean, they can, I feel like they can be similar. Like, for example, mm -hmm. like Miles Morales and Peter Parker, right? I mean, yeah, they're both Spider-Men, but there's also a Spider-Gwen. <laughs> and so I'm just saying, <laughs> there's also pig. a Spider-Pig, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's not really that big of a deal. And like you said, I don't like when they 
I don't like when they turn as at the actual characters themselves, like Superman. Like if there was a Clark Kent that was black, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't like that. That's not Clark Kent is white. Yes. <laughs> well, you know he's Kryptonian, yeah. but right. So like, but white presenting. <laughs> right. So like. If you, but I, I'm totally okay with like John Stewart because the Green Lantern Corps is like a whole bunch of people exactly. in this Anybody one. Anybody could be a Green Lantern, right? Yeah. Anybody could be a Green Lantern. So that's, so I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. But I'm also fine with having like our own thing. Like Black Panther is a totally different character, yeah. right? Icon and and Rocket, like they're their own characters that you can have their own stories and not have to necessarily. Ape what someone else. even right. even and we um, call it the black Superman, but is it? It's not. It's just they have similar powers, just like right. Shazam and Superman have similar powers, but they're not. We you know nobody calls Shazam the magic Superman. He's just Shazam, <laughs> and in this, you know, it's I, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. What do you all think of uh, this? Is kind of, this is actually somewhat of a segue, kind of and related. Uh, we kind of think we kind of talked about it last time. The uh, Black Adam, right? So. You know, The Rock is Black Adam, but he's black. <laughs> well, yeah. well uh, what is it? Uh, he's uh, black. We're claiming him. Black. Yeah. Blackity black. His black. name is Dwayne. I mean, I think I think with Black Adam's casting, I think that was more... Um, well, The I Rock wanted little, to make this movie. Yeah, I think the it was Rock, a little... Yeah, he pushed for it. Yeah, he yeah. pushed for it. I think it was a little easier for DC to cast this dude uh, because of you know what Black Adam represent represented on the comic in general, in terms of his features and and things of that nature. Well, um, I think it was easy for them to cast him because it's The Rock, and every movie The Rock you know, puts out does a hundred million. You know, like well, like it, it's too. going to fail. Yeah, that too. I, I think that was the primary reason. But I think people, you know, look at that casting, and you know, don't have a problem making this stretch from. You know, it being the rock to the similarities between Rock's characteristics and uh, Black Adam's characteristics in the comics or any other animated feature that you've seen him in. So, I mean, and yeah, I, nobody want to see, uh, you know, Bruce Bruce playing Black Adam or yeah, you know, a certain thing. Like he got he looked like that. Yeah, he can be a superhero. Yeah, you whoever you want. I haven't heard, haven't heard that name in a long, yeah, long and, time. Yeah, and I'll I'll just do this before we take our 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 last ad break here. Um, I mean, I, I've got you know I'm cautiously optimistic about that Black Adam movie. Um, but you know, like I said, I say cautiously because we all know what the track record is for DC and live action films. You know, if this was animated, and you know, oh. I'd be I'd be. Live action though, there's been two <laughs> you know, movies yeah. that I wouldn't call trash out of these. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think this is a this is a good opportunity for DC to change that narrative. Um, but if it bombs, um, th that's a modicum of trust that they're never ever going to get back. <laughs> oh, they're gonna keep trying, and they have the kind of characters that you're gonna keep coming back for. Like yeah. uh, uh, the uh, we watched uh, Edward Cullen as Batman, so you know. Yeah, yeah. I got you. I, I hear you. Well, they can come out. We come right back out with a new Batman. And Batman's a 16 year old kid. Uh, you know, Logan Paul or whoever they want to make as Batman. We gonna go and we gonna watch it. We gonna give it a shot every time. We gonna give it a shot. Us comic book nerds, they can't really 
go wrong. Like bombing for them is still four or five hundred million. Yeah, no comment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to take our last ad break of the podcast and we will be right back. We'll be talking about Samsung's unpacked uh, display um, for 2022 when we get back. Stay tuned. Yeah, baby, you know what time it is. Now let's get it started. Are you kidding me? Unreal. While our HBCUs are mostly known for academic rigor, community, they also know how to turn up. Does he have it? Yes, he does! And we are back. Um, recently, Samsung had their unpacked event for 2022. And um, it's always interesting when we see, you know, these types of events come, you know, whether it's from Samsung or Apple or Microsoft or you name it when it comes to consumer um, electronics. Uh, because we're really um, at a point right now of saturation when it comes to specific types of consumer electronics, particularly cell phones, uh, mobileware, things of that nature. Um, And just looking at some of the stuff that we've seen, um, you know, that was featured in this year's edition of Unpacked, um, you know, you know, normally when I look at stuff like that, you know, from year to year, I'm pretty enthused about it. This year, not so much so. <laughs> you know, it's really mid for me. <laughs> but, I love that that's part of the lexicon now. <laughs> Everybody yeah. just casually throwing around weed terms. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and I don't know if that's necessarily Samsung's fault or if it's that's just a natural byproduct of the oversaturation of the industry for certain types of technology. Um, Both and. Yeah. But I wanted to get, I wanted to get your viewpoints on that from what you've seen from this year's edition of the unpack of unpack presentation. I uh, boring. Uh, I mean, I'm, so to be fair, let's just go ahead and say it. I'm not. A, I'm no longer on Team Android. So most of my, I'm watching it like this the whole time. Oh yeah, we got to put out this disclaimer before before uh, <laughs> Dom goes any further. Dom is not Team Android. Dom is team iOS through and through. It's like the app for a PC. I'm not rocking the Mac. Y'all, I'll leave the Mac for y'all. But everything else, (laughs) let me tell you something. We out here, we we (laughs) iPhone up. I mean, we iPad it up. You know what I'm saying? We Apple watched up. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't use uh, AirPods no more. I use uh, Bose, but because they have better noise canceling, and you know, I'm a I'm a fancy brother. But uh, it's (laughs) it's everything was just very iterative. Everything is very much like, you've seen the Z Flip. Here's the Z Flip again, this year's version. Uh, it's the same phone. And you, here you go. This is the Z Fold. You remember the Z Fold? Bow. You remember what it did? It does that again. Still, better cameras. Yeah. Hey, I, I, the watch. I, the watch. Y'all like the watch? Same watch. Better battery. Yeah, I say this as an Android guy, and I'm just like, meh. 
<laughs> I mean, uh, and that's and Keith, that's a smart yeah, man down there. You know, and I'm kind of like, you know, we've seen enough of these, enough of these presentations. Apple you know, would we, never. Let me just say that. But I'm not saying that every single time they've come out, they've won, but at least they come out and be like, hey, let me tell you, this one does some crazy stuff. And it's stuff you'll never use, right? But at least they got some features to mention. It's not just better cameras. It's this year's camera can see inside your body. Like this year's <laughs> camera, you can digest, you can literally swallow this joint, digest it, and see inside your digestive system. And then, uh, when it come out the other end, you pop it back in your camera, and now you can send that information to your doctor. That's the kind of stuff that Apple would do, whereas Samsung is just like, hey, last year's was 12 megapixels. This year, 12.5. Yeah, I had, I had to put the banner up. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, all jokes aside, man, I think, you know, I think you're, I think people can be jaded depending on what side of the fence you're on. You know, whether you're an Apple guy or Android guy or you're somebody that um, you may I mean, you may not necessarily even be a fan of either one of those ecosystems. You might, you know, just be off the grid and not use cell phones at all, because otherwise, how are you not a fan of either of the ecosystems? Well, um, when I say that, I mean, there are other there are other competitors that even though they fall into Android, Oh, okay. You know, I see what you're saying. Not a Samsung guy, not yeah. an Apple guy, but maybe right. like a Huawei phone and Huawei you know, for, you know, OnePlus phone. I mean, OnePlus. Nothing. Yeah, well, nothing phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> essential, you, you one of those wild cats that got the essential phone, and you liked it. You're one hey. of the 13 people. Yeah, <laughs> hey, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie. I felt the same way when I got my Windows phone. Back in. <laughs> hey, Windows, like they tried. listen, at least they tried. I didn't hate the Windows phone. They just Windows was not great at software, uh, on a mobile software. They were not great at mobile software. Well, I don't and, know. Like Windows phone, it the software that the OS itself was actually pretty good. It just didn't have the apps. That, that, like, it was very didn't have app support. That's that's fair. It was, that's it fair. was just the app yeah. support. But app also support. I, it's like we don't necessarily want a desktop on our phones. You know what I mean? I mean so yeah. like the, some of the stuff that they were doing, but when some of the stuff they did, like that last phone they put out, the the Nokia with the tile system and all that, it wasn't bad. I wasn't hate. I didn't hate it. Uh, you know, but everything is it just kind of naturally delineated in that you either Sam, you either Apple or Android. And if you're an Android, you're most likely a Samsung. But then there's your random, you know. I'm uh, Pixel guy. You know, I, I haven't been back. You're a rebel deep. without a cause. <laughs> hey, I mean, I used to be a Pixel guy. I like the Pixel. I love the Pixel. Actually, the Pixel is a great, but part of the reason that I love the Pixel is because they don't, you don't have to wait for updates. Uh, no, and that's like, that, Samsung's adding a lot better, though. Samsung actually will, they, they, they have drastically improved since yep, before. Yeah. So yeah. I, I will say about Samsung. So, like, so you mentioned that, like, in the, like in the US, and I will caveat this by saying I'm also, Team Apple here, but I'm, <laughs> I'm on a Mac here. But uh, <laughs> that banner? I guess I know, right? But so, so unfortunately, like when it comes to their folding phones, right? Because that that's, that was the standout, right? The Galaxy Fold Four. But since Samsung is basically the only game in town right now when it comes to folding phones in the U.S., they're not going to make those big, huge changes. You know, they're going to do more iterative, like. You know, because uh, you know, uh, stuff. right? I mean, there now Microsoft does have the Surface Duo too, right? Which I got it. I think from what I've heard, it's actually a lot better, a lot better now than when it first came out. But it's still, 
they don't have the market share that Samsung has. And unfortunately, uh, the U.S. won't let China Chinese companies sell any phones here <laughs> because not Xiaomi. Uh, yeah, Xiaomi. Isn't it yeah, Xiaomi? Not, maybe it is Xiaomi. That ha- they they Xiaomi. have their own folding. I think it is Xiaomi. That Xiaomi, has, like, Huawei, pretty much any major Chinese manufacturer. But they uh, have like a, their own folding phone that's actually really good, but they mm-hmm. can't sell it here. Right. So and it would give Samsung much needed competition. They need so they cannot they need sit on their laurels. Also, seventeen hundred and ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents in today's economy. Yeah, come on, yeah. come on. You better yeah. hope. You better hope Samsung, Samsung gives you a good. Uh, now nah, they do have good trade ins. Yeah, they they got some fire trade ins. Well, <laughs> it, well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because this is you know we I know we kind of stressed that we were going to be apolitical this show. Um, but a lot of times when we look at, you know, these consumer rivalries, uh, and you know, mobile, you know, the mobile phone wars are, are a perfect example of that. Um, a lot of times, man, we, we kind of take for granted that there are, they're tied to some very real life, real world types of things. Um, you know, anything made by China these days, um, you know, trying to come you know trying to come into the US market share marketplace is going to look be looked at with an automatic side eye you know just for you know as it should be yeah for you there, know, there are it, reasons and I'm not you saying stick, they should if, do a complete ban but maybe they got to put their stuff together over here for over here you know yeah. we got to have inspectors in there every other Thursday uh, checking these, hey, get have what the little the little machine they have to check for bugs. Like had it just doot, every phone just doot, cause yeah. you know. And you know, and it's something that the average consumer really takes for granted. You know what I'm saying? It's and Dave, I mean, oh well, all of us. You know, if you're familiar with the podcast and have been following it for a minute, all of us are IT professionals. All of us have been in the industry, you know, in multiple, um, multiple facets um, and working for multiple types of clients. Uh, Myself and Dave, you know, have worked for the man, (laughs) you know. Orange man at that. (laughs) We're not going to talk about that. Go ahead and put that banner up again now. (laughs) I get get started. I I still got livelihood. I I can't get started on that thing today. You know, as he's gonna be back in a couple years, and you need you, yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. I was work for you, sir. As a you know, as a veteran, that well, I'll just say this, and all three of us know where we're you know, where, where we're getting at from what we've seen on the news in the last 24 to 48 hours. Um, there's some things that come to mind about what we've seen as it relates to what he's done and what would happen to us if we did the same thing? You know, and anybody out there that's watching that, you know, can infer what us means, this is not a racial thing. This is a, I carry a specific label and I work with a specific type of material that I cannot um, work. I have to follow the protocols to work with. Are you talking and, about unobtainium? Unobtainium, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, 
I'm trying to avoid me putting the banner up, but oh, I was gonna put it up. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think folks, you know, those sorts of things, and you know, and quite honestly, this is kind of a um, a really good segue into what we're talking about because you know, consumer knowledge is very limited sometimes to those things as far as those relationships go. So, you know, when we see things on the news, you know, uh, certain people using certain types of products in certain places where they're not supposed to be using them, um, you know, uh, for those of us that, you know, follow the industry and work in the industry, it, it leaves us pause a lot because, you know, you're not going to be working with a, um, you know, a Chinese phone in some place that's extremely sensitive to specific national interests. Really, if you're a federal employee, you have no business with a with a Chinese phone. Like, I don't care how cool it is. Like, come on, come on, guys. Nope. I would no. also avoid TikTok, but that's a yes. that's thing. <laughs> yes. I don't know how one avoids TikTok. I'm I'm genuinely. I avoid TikTok. <laughs> Do you really? I don't know how. I, maybe so I never. So you never started. Nope. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. If you don't start, <laughs> then you're not you don't get hooked. But as somebody who has started, hey, TikTok I get it up, though. TikTok can pop up and just be like, hey, if you want to keep using, you gotta send us a blood sample, and we send it. Out. Hey, boots, 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 because <laughs> I'm like this. Yeah, <laughs> but I think algorithm cold, bro. Yeah, but we're gonna take. Our, we're going to take our last ad break and we are going to close the show out uh, with some final thoughts, um, which should be interesting given what's been going on. Um, but we'll, we're going to get to that as soon as we get back. Stay tuned. A black future happens all the time. It's built on a foundation of those who have paved the way. Trust your dream. The future is counting on it. Okay, and we're back. Um, We're going to close the show out. And and this is just going to be kind of an editorial type of deal for for all three of us. Um, I know we said that the show was going to remain mostly apolitical today. But there are some things that have happened in the last 24 to 48 hours that it's going to be kind of hard for us to be silent on. So before we roll out, um, we're going to have the banners on standby and we're going to give each of us time to share our thoughts on what we've seen in the last 24 to 48 hours out of the news cycle. Mind you, you... You got carte blanche, you know, you know what the boundaries are. So Dave, I'm gonna let you start. <laughs> you mute it. You mute it, boy. You mute it, dude. You mute it. That's what I get. All right. I always do that whenever I, I'm trying to type so I don't accidentally type into the mic or whatever. But no, so as as a caveat, I'm I'm a federal employee, as most of you all probably know. So I am limited on what I will say. <laughs> uh, but all I'll say is that for people who are, uh, I don't have anything against, you know, people who 
who support you know Republicans who support Donald Trump. I people who know me, I'm more of a conservative myself, right? I will openly admit that I am for fiscal responsibility, smaller government, all that stuff, right? I'm more socially conservative, but at the same time, like I'm the kind of person I'm going to vote for someone who has who has some kind of moral fiber, right? And I've said this before that if you're going to put someone in the highest office in the land, you got to make sure that they have some kind of moral fiber. I don't care where they are, Democrat, Republican, I don't care, right? And so, and I think that we're seeing now the consequences of not doing that. And so I, I hope and pray that for this next election, that some kind of sense is <laughs> is uh, being seen and don't know if it will, but <laughs> and honestly, I'm I'm a, a little worried about how things are going because if certain things don't go the way, I'm afraid that it's just going. We're just going to fall deeper into the pit. But you know, I could be surprised. You know, uh, I don't Atlanta, know. Atlanta, Atlanta. I mean, Georgia flipped. That Georgia flipping is the only thing that over the last couple of years has given me any hope that maybe we'll get involved enough or activated enough into the political discourse that we will uh, go just hold people accountable. I don't care what people's individual politics are. I care about uh, doing the most good for the most people by any means necessary. And that's, that's where we're, you know, we, we got to, that right now it's, um, I, I, I was going to go on the rant. I'm going to let you finish this. My bad. No, I mean, no, I just say, no, I somewhat, piggyback on that like just everyone should be held to the same standard it, it doesn't matter even even you know you know my, my fellow conservatives love to rail about hunter biden like if he did something wrong like arrest him like seriously arrest him uh i don't care if he's the son of the president i don't care if he did something wrong arrest him if donald trump did something wrong arrest him it doesn't matter who it is like we have laws for a reason those laws should be applied evenly theoretically <laughs> and so uh that you know all i ask is that for this next next election cycle determine who do you want to be president or who in, in any office and determine what kind of moral fiber do they have and are they consistent with what they believe like so whether they're democrat republican me i tend to vote libertarian but that's me but <laughs> but uh that's that's all i'll say on that so I'm gonna let you go down. <laughs> so um, I, I, this dude had is the first president that ha, that had an an esp, nas, the National Espionage Act it was one of them things you just never even thought that you'd have to worry about the press like you you there, maybe there's a Russian spy or something that we gotta you know get a hold of that you will never hear about. I'm sure it happens all the time. I'm sure NEA violations happen all the time that you never hear about because they are getting them up out of here, getting them out of here, right? Uh, but the president, it's never happened. It's crazy that it happened. It's crazy this stuff was just laying in boxes in his golf course. His golf course ain't secure. Me, you, and Dave could Ocean's Eleven heisted Mar-a-Lago. Probably not us, actually. We probably wouldn't need to be in uh, Chad, Hunter, and Tanner. Uh, but... Three three random goofy white dudes could have broke into Mar-a-Lago and took everything. This dude's not secure like that. Um, so, and you can tell that he's not a secure person by the way he tweets. So, I I, I understand 
that it has to be scary. I try, I do my best to like empathize. I try my best to think about life as a straight white man, right? How, how scary it must be that the foundations of power are shaking, right? There's uncertainty there. There's uncertainty there. And, and I, even if you're well-meaning, the idea that not if if you're you're thinking if i'm not the default if i'm not like automatically if i'm not the if i'm not powerful just in my whiteness then maybe the cops start treating me like they treat black people that's crazy right you you start thinking about like all the negative things that happen with equality because equality if equality is applied because they know you can weaponize the police and you can tell that by how they weaponize the police whenever it suits them and so they're thinking oh lord if the cops ever start looking at us all as equals they can weaponize them against me. I'm I'm a butthead. I do a lot of stuff that's co- cop callable worthy that no nobody called because black people don't call the police. So it's you know I I, I understand that it's got to be scary. It is what it is. We it's crazy that we this quote unquote representative democracy that we live in um, allows for about thirty six percent of the of the population to have such. Uh, a chokehold on our politics like because it's there's no reason that two senators are coming out of freaking Wyoming and the two senators and they got the same power of a vote coming out of California when you got uh, triple quadruple the population right and it just doesn't make sense that we continue to understand it it doesn't make sense we keep doing it this uh uh the, the 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 popular vote not being what elects the president it's just all these things it just makes no sense and it is what it is we can talk to it blue in the face it's not going to change we need to activate the populace we need to activate the electorate because even a lot of these red states uh are being hoodwinked because the the the, the right is the only side of things that have a completely but i'm not saying that cnn and what what the republicans call mainstream media isn't left skewing but it's not like if you saw what happened, how Fox News was reporting the the, the Mar-a-Lago raid. I mean, the difference in the way they cover this stuff is, I mean, they have a fully equipped propaganda machine that's coming on every night, all day. It's 24 hours a day. These cats can go turn on their TV and watch uh, people spin things in a way that makes them feel better about their racism. And until we can do something to counteract that and the only way to do it we we outnumber them by a lot and so until we can activate the electorate activate the populace all across because georgia ain't the only state that's gonna flip eventually but i think before that happens i think we're gonna have another i think we're gonna have another four years of uh of uh velveta voldemort and um <laughs> while while that's happening we just gonna have to everybody's gonna have to hey batten down the, the hatchets you know hold on tight this, this storm's gonna come on through and then when we get through it, hopefully at the other, you be like, "Oh, there really was a difference between Biden and, and Trump." You know, that's right. That's like one of the one of the funniest things that has come out of this thing. All the different nicknames. So, real real quick before you, real quick, I'll say, if you want news that's relatively unbiased and you just you just want the straight fact, you don't care about any skewing, the AP, Reuters, and BBC. Just just stick with those three. I yep. promise you, you will you will feel a lot better. Because sometimes I'll watch CNN, and I'm like, oh, gosh. Or I'll watch Fox News, and I'm like, oh, gosh. In fact, at my job, there's like a little mini war going on between the employees where some people change the channel to Fox News and someone will come change 
watch. I don't know. CNN. It's hilarious. Now, I'm going to put my banner up because I want people to understand how serious these last 24 to 48 hours has been for everybody. As we mentioned before, all three of us are IT professionals. Myself and Dom are veterans. And Dave works uh, for an un, you know, unmentioned um, entity. All of us have worked in the realm of having the types of clearances that the commander in chief had. Now, Dom said something very important during his closing, and I want people to really understand this. This is the first time ever in the history of this country that a sitting or a former commander-in-chief or president of the United States has even remotely been investigated for violations of the National Espionage Act. Let me put that in the context. Anybody that is seriously investigated for the National Espionage Act is cooling their jets in prison right now. We're talking about people like Aldrich Ames, David Jansen, if you're not familiar with those guys, those guys sold out CIA agents to the Russians. We're talking about people like Anna Montez sold out CIA and other and United States Navy secrets to the to Cubans and by proxy to the Russians. We're talking about John David Walker that sold submarine secrets, nuclear technology to the Russians. We're talking about a multitude of other people as late as 2009, I believe, that have violated that act in, in every single instance where there's an investigation that's been gone that's gone down in violation of that act there's been a conviction as someone that has worked in the realm both as a you know as active military and as a veteran um it's scary stuff it's scary in the sense that there's a very real there's a very real cause and effect from the dissemination of that information to the costing of lives and livelihood. As any of those guys that I just mentioned, and that's a matter of, you know, use of Google in, in, in public domain, but that's stuff that gets people killed. And I think the fact that from an optics perspective that we have a former 
president of the United States, the person that has the highest clearance level in the country, essentially, being investigated for an NEA violation? There's a lot of damage just in that statement alone that's been done. And I don't think people really understand the extent of that damage until this blows over and our allies and our adversaries look at us as, wow, they're really compromised. So I want people to really understand one of the reasons why we kind of avoided talking about this, because at this point, it's not really um, a progressive or conservative deal. Now, of course, the people that, you know, like myself that, you know, have been, you know, ringing the alarm about Donald J. Trump, you know, for the better part of 30 years, are we going to say we told you so? Yeah. We're going to say we told you so. Because before this dude even ran, this dude, if the federal case for housing discrimination didn't tell you anything, if the full page month long, two to three month long ads ran in the Washington, in the New York, uh, New York Times and the Washington Post during the Central Park Five. Exonerated Five. Exonerated Five, thank you, Dominique. I appreciate that. The Exonerated Five trial didn't tell you anything. The fact that he's defrauded thousands of people prior to running for office didn't tell you anything. It tells you a lot. It tells you a lot. Not necessarily about the, you know, the grifter that Donald Trump was, because we already knew that. It tells you a lot about where this country is still at. And just how far this country still has to go in terms of viewing each other equally. Because this dude got in the office for one reason. There are a lot of people that didn't like the guy and the family in office for the previous administration. They didn't like the lady that was running against him for this administration. And that goes a lot deeper than progressive and conservative. A lot deeper. And it's something to think about as the Ron DeSantis's of the world and, you know, our boy Cheeto fights this out. Because the underlying current is still there. And this is a current that all of us have to deal with. That's all I got. Oh, Until don't, forget, don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to like and subscribe. Yes. Don't forget to like and subscribe the Black Techies Podcast. We can be found on HBCU Digital Network, on YouTube, 
on Twitch, on Twitter, 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 yes, Twitter, and to everybody that supported us over the years and continues to support us, thank you. We we do this for you guys, and you know the fact that we fill a niche that really needs to be filled. You know, thank you guys for your support for all the new students that are going to school and getting their first taste of the HBCU experience. Hopefully you went to the right one. <clears throat> you. <clears throat> See this big blue. The Alabama State University. <laughs> Until next time, for myself, Dominic Bass, David Matthews, hail Wakanda. Wakanda forever! Hail Wakanda. <laughs>